The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Good morning. Um, Even though my voice doesn't sound like I'm excited, I'm really excited to be back here at LifePoint this morning, getting to share with our setting church, our family. Uh, It's more than a church. This is our family, and we couldn't have got through the last year of doing what God called us to do without the support and love we got from our family here. Uh, Today, in this video, you got to see a little synopsis or a little look at what God has been doing over the last year in our lives and some of the stuff that God, doors that God opened in our lives uh, with like Faye and football and our Teach Me to Love Academy being launched and things like that. It's been an amazing year. What we don't see in this video is the days, that the many days that we went without water or electric or both. Uh, so there was a lot of those days too. We also don't see the pictures in there, and for good reason, of the 1,800 cold showers I got to take while I was in Honduras, because we don't want to see that anyway. But uh, so, so people have asked me since I got back, what's the one thing I missed about the States more than my friends and my family? And I said, hot water. Uh, So it's been glorious taking showers. I think I've cried a couple times. It's been great. Uh, So the other thing that we don't see in this video, you kind of see it, but you don't see the full extent of it, is the 13 years that Alicia and I, we've been married almost 14 years next week, have spent praying and asking God to send us on the mission field. When we first got married, we thought we're going to be on the mission field in like two or three years, and we're going to go, we're going to take the world by storm, and we're going to to change people, and it's going to be a great revival, and stuff like that. This is what's going to happen. Well, God had other plans, because he knew in my life, at that point, I wasn't ready, and he knew, and he gave us, we were here, and with my wife, and my wife, wonderful wife, Alicia, she has... Uh, diabetes and so like with children and us wanting to have children it was better to have them here and so so we had our kids I went back and got my uh, bachelor's degree in business and my master's in teaching and when this stuff was going on I thought maybe God was closing that door so there were some times I'm like but we have this heart and this passion and it wasn't until about two years ago two or three years ago when we were on a trip to Puebla And we were down there working. We were in the mountains of the beautiful area of Puebla. And we were like, this is what we want to be doing. This is what we should be doing. And we prayed about it. And we were able to get get an offer from a school down there uh, to come down and teach. So that getting that master's degree wasn't closing the door for me to go to Honduras or go on the mission field. It was opening the door. And what we see now is, if you got got the second Chronicles verse up there for me, is we see this right here. It says, but you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Now, what it says here is sometimes we think if we do great work, we'll get rewarded with, like, earthly things, a boat, a house, or something like that. I still don't own a boat, right? (laughs) That stuff, I don't really need one. But uh, stuff like that. But it's just, we see this. But what I see this is the last 13 years of what me and Alicia did before we went to Honduras that opened the door and was rewarded in Honduras, is for 13 years, me and my wife both worked in education. And we worked and we just did, went to work every day. And we just thought to ourselves, we want to be the best example of Christ that we could be in our workplace. And for 12 years, I worked at the school I worked at. I don't want to say any names because people might have gone there. No people that are there. But the school that I worked at did not like me for wanting to show Christ. They hated me for it. 
I got called in the principal's office many times and told, uh, I know, usually kids go there. I got there more than my kids did. And everything, which was kind of like when I was in school. Um, so God, but God, they kept asking me, are you going to ever stop? And I asked them, are the people that are telling me, that are pushing their beliefs on me, and they're like, are they going to stop? Have you asked them to stop? And then usually the principal would say, you can go now. And all stuff and stuff. So I was like, told no, I'm not going to stop. Because this is what God has called me to do. And for 13 years, or actually 12 or 12 and a half years, we were just faithful in that. And we just kept going and we just kept doing because we knew eventually God was going to reward it for what we were doing. And so, so it just was just what, it was what we were called to do. And it reminded me of the verse, uh, the parable in Matthew. Uh, it's Matthew 13, verses 45 and 46. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that they had and bought it. So many times when people hear this parable or you hear people speak messages about selling everything we have and giving it to God and going after his kingdom, we think we're talking about material possessions, our houses, our cars, our boats if you have one, right? We think that's what he's talking about. But I have been challenged in this last year when we were down there seeing God open the doors that he had and having a time to look back at my past is sometimes the thing that we have to sell is our idea of what ministry is. We have to sell that because sometimes we look at people and I'll use my life as an example. While I was here at LifePoint, I was mentored by Eric, who's one of my biggest inspirations and stuff. And I was mentored by him, by Bill, by John Lewis. And when I was here, I was trying to become Eric I ate a bunch of sugar so I could be hyper. I, I still don't have as much energy as Eric does, right? I got some Starburst just in case for today. But I tried to be wise and fatherly like Bill was to me. I tried to be the man like John Lewis is, right? I even grew the beard, did the hair, you know what I'm saying, right? So, <laughs> I can't grow Dustin hair. I would have tried to be like Dustin. My hair doesn't grow that long, right? So... <laughs> But I was trying to be all these other people, and it wasn't until I got down there that God really challenged my heart, and he said, I didn't create you to be those other people. I created you to be John Looney. And some days I was like, I don't like John Looney, <laughs> right? And God was like, but I love him. Amen. And that really challenged my heart, and I want to challenge you guys today with that idea that so many times we look at other people and think, well, they're the youth pastor, they're the worship leader, they're the pastor, or they're the missionaries to Honduras. They're doing God's work. We are all doing God's work. And when we go do that, the main thing that God wants us to do is two things. I, and I heard Eric say it in one of his messages, and it blew me away because I had it written down in my notes. And I heard him say it. It's so simple what God wants us. is to make Jesus our everything, Keep our focus on him and make loving people our mission. That's what we're called to do. And so many times we think that we're not doing anything or doing enough or maybe, oh, look at them, they're doing this. Guys, we're telling you from experience, me and my wife would both tell you, we couldn't have done what we did without the people here praying for us. Those who supported us financially. Topher, who every day that we were down there sent us a text message sending us a word of encouragement or a little joke or something just to remind us that we weren't forgotten. 
And those people that since we have come back have planned and made up a trivia night for us. Those of you guys who came and made it such an amazing evening for us. We are all, you are all a part of this team. We are all called. And just like when I was trying to be a little bit of Eric, a little bit of Bill, and a little bit of John, God said, no, I want you to be 100% John Looney. And he because yeah, I have a plan for John Looney that nobody else can do but you. And that's the thing is so many people think, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. But the God says, that's not what I say. God has such a specific and loving plan for each and every one of our lives that if we don't do it, it doesn't get done. And that's so specific to you guys and to me. We all have a plan that God has for our lives. And our time, our job is to just understand that, get into the word, understand who we are and whose we are, and he'll reveal that plan to you. Maybe you're the person that cleans the church on Saturday so we can have service on Sundays. Your job is just as important as Eric's standing up here preaching. Maybe it's the sound system guys back there, because if this wasn't on, you wouldn't be able to hear me right now, right? So everybody has a plan for their lives, and we need to live out that plan. And the thing that God really shared with me and showed my heart this year is when we came back or when we were talking to people, we were like, oh, wow, you guys are missionaries. That's so great. That's so great. You guys went and traveled, forgot. And I thought about the word missionary. And a missionary means a person who is on mission. And our mission is to get people to know Christ and get to come to the kingdom of heaven and to know their heavenly father in a deeper way. That's a missionary. And God really spoke to my heart one day about missionary. Your location does not make you a missionary. Your heart does. Your job doesn't make you a missionary. Your heart does. We need missionaries everywhere. Me and my wife happen to be missionaries in Honduras right now. But God wants missionaries in O'Fallon, St. Charles, St. Peter's, Florissant, wherever it is. He needs people in Korea, China, California. Everywhere we go, we are on mission. And if we just keep our eyes focused on God and make loving people our mission, we will see God do amazing things in us and through us. One of the verses that always kind of strikes me, it used to strike me with kind of like a sadness, but now I see it as like a a challenge and encouragement is the next verse I had uh, up there. Is for God is not unjust to overlook your work, to show you, uh, to, <laughs> to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you all still do. Sometimes that depressed me because I didn't feel like I was doing enough because I wasn't an official title or wasn't doing this. I was trying to be the best person I could be in, in my job here in the States when I was working in school. And even when I went down to Honduras, I still kept trying to think it was about me and about if we have enough success and will people think of us and look at us like, oh, you guys are doing a good work. And I thought we had to be busy, busy, busy to do that. And one of our main programs down there is Faye and Football that we've been able to start. And God put that on my heart in probably November of last year. And I kept saying no because I had tried something like that before and it failed. But the whole mindset that I kept having is I tried it. It was the program I started or tried to start and it failed. It was I, I, I. So finally in January, God said, stop talking about yourself and look at me. You keep saying I, I'm getting tired of hearing I. 
It's about me. And I said, okay, God, if you want me to do this, it's got to be your program. You're going to have to do this. And we started on January 17th. We had our first meeting. Uh, and it was just the things, how things fell into place was amazing to watch. One of the directors at our school, Honda and director, she was like, I really like this program. Let's go talk to the mayor about getting permission to use the soccer field in the park. So we went and we had the meeting and the mayor was like this. This is what our children need is a positive influence. You guys have permission to use the park every Tuesday for this program as long as you live in Yaman Regila. And not only did he say that, he gave us a note with a seal that says, this is your park from 4.30 to 5.30 every Tuesday. So we started meeting, and we had about 18 kids at our first one. And as we had our first few meetings, we had about 18 or 20 kids, but kids kept walking by wondering what's going on. Of course, we'd be like, hey, come on in. You can come in. Let's have some fun. At our last month and a half, we've been averaging about 50 children coming every week. And we never canvassed, we never advertised it, we just met at the park, loved on these kids, and just showed them Christ. And the two main stories that come from that have touched my heart is, a couple weeks ago I did the challenge of let's, that we just need to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I wanted anybody who wanted to pray that prayer to accept him as our Lord and Savior to stand up and pray along. Alicia did the prayer because she could do it in Spanish. And every single kid that was there stood up that night. Now, I don't know personally what's going on in their lives. After they leave, I try to keep in contact. But something was done that night. Fifty more people came to know Christ. And we were surprised that the two weeks afterwards, everything in our life went wrong. <laughs> it's like our car broke down. Our house, the electrical panel blew up. All of a sudden, well, it didn't blow up. But our house is fine. And all of a sudden, it went out. And all of a sudden, so everything went. But, of course, I'm not surprised. The enemy is angry. Because we just want 50 people for Christ that he no longer has control of. That's what he wants for here. And all we did is we simply went down there and we loved on people. We kept our focus on Christ and made loving people our mission. And before we had our last meeting, I was getting ready to go. And one of the kids came up to me and was like, are we, we have a meeting next week? And I said, no, we're not going to meet next week. We're going to take a break. But we'll meet back up. And when I said, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to meet next week, he started to cry. And I was just like, break my heart, right? I'm a big guy. I can't cry, right? I did, right? And all stuff. And so he says something. I said, whoa, 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 we're going to come back. We're going to come back, and we're going we're gonna to start up again August 15th. We'll start this back up again. And he bit a big smile on his face, and he hugged me and says, thanks, Poppy. And everything, I'm just like, what? Like, and I don't know that kid. I don't know anything about that kid. I just loved these kids. I shared Christ with them every week, and when we had teams down, they would come in and help, and all we did is love them. We opened the soccer field. The kids love soccer in Honduras. We opened the field. We shared Jesus, and we loved them, and we have seen tremendous growth. And even from that, our Teach Me to Love Academy came because parents found out about us and asked if we had start giving services or language lessons for their kids, and that's how our Teach Me to Love Academy got launched. Not because we went down there with this great ministry title, but because he went down there and loved people, made that our mission. And our next verse that I have up there says this. He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. There was two things that I read that caught my attention last time I read this and while I was making up this message that God put on my heart. The first, it says the harvest is plentiful. 
That means everywhere the harvest is plentiful. Not just in Honduras. Not just here. Everywhere the harvest is plentiful. There are people everywhere who are experiencing hurt, pain, looking for something. Everybody's looking for something to bring them that joy. And they're trying to find it in things that don't bring permanent joy, that bring that temporary joy. And then they're right back looking again. Everywhere. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. And another word that stuck out to me there was laborers. Laborers are people. They're us. It doesn't say the harvest is plentiful, but ministries are few. You Google ministries, you got like 800 pages of ministries. Ministries are out there. But it says the laborers are few. That's us. That's the people. It's about loving people and making God our focus and making loving people our mission. So today, I wanted to say something. I don't know if any of you guys in here are on that team, but I know you guys got a big team going to Puebla next month, which is amazing. You guys are going to love it. It changed me and my wife's lives. We went on the first two trips. She actually went on the first three. Oh, I went on the first two. I want to challenge you guys that are on the Puebla team for a second, if you're in here. Two things. One, take a journal with you. Now, they told us this on the first trip, and I was like, eh, I'm not a journal guy, right? And I regretted not taking one because God is going to do something down there. And God's going to do stuff in you and through you, and you need to keep it recorded so you can remember what it is that God is showing you while you're down there. And the second thing that I didn't do well on the first trip either, but I learned on the second trip is you're going to have your expectations and your thoughts of what this trip's going to be like. Well, get rid of them. Don't do that, right? Go down there with open hands and open hearts and just do and experience everything God has for you while you're there. It doesn't matter if you're up preaching because they're probably going to ask Eric and then he'll make one of you do it because that's what he does. And also because he wants other people up there, even though he loves to preach. I'm not saying he doesn't. He loves to preach. It kills him to do it, but he wants us to have that. So he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll preach. All right, John, you're up. I'm like, what? Right? So he did that to me a couple times. But he pushes me and he challenges us. So be ready for that. And it doesn't matter if you're the one preaching or if you're the one sitting in the audience and maybe next to a lady who ends up talking to you about her story and you just share your story. You're doing the same mission. We're all there for the same reason. We're all here so that people can know and love Christ and get to know him. So go down there with open hands, open hearts, and leave the expectations behind. Because your expectations, I can tell you right now, are going to be nothing like what God actually does. And we know that because when we were getting ready to go to Honduras, people asked us, what, what would it be to be successful down there? What do you hope to accomplish in the first year? And we're like, I'll get a house. Get to know the people, I guess. If we could have a Bible meeting, that'd be great. Maybe a few while we're there. That was our expectations and our hopes because we didn't know we hadn't been to Honduras before. We were just going down there because that's where God called us. We got down there, just started loving the people. And starting in October, we had a Bible study every Wednesday night for the whole entire year that we were there. We had one at our house. Then God does, takes it up even more of a notch. Then we have the fade football gets launched and we have 50 kids coming into that. Then we have the Teach Me to Love Academy that got launched. And we had about 10 or 12 kids that came to that. And we got more parents wanting to have their kids come. Because down in Honduras, if your kid has any kind of special needs or anything at all, they are not allowed to go to school. 
So they know that we have that background. So we got parents coming to our gates like, uh, can my kid be home with you? So we are just seeing it. And we, it wasn't because we have a big sign over our door that say the loonies are here. You know, like we're here. The loony ministry is here. It's because we simply love the people around us. We've shared Christ with them. And that's my challenge to you guys today as a church and as the people here is that God has a specific plan for every single one of you. Some of you today, maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a while. There's a reason you're here. It's because God hasn't stopped giving, hasn't given up on you. God loves you. He has that plan and he's pushing you to that plan. And some of you, you have given your heart to Christ, but you're still kind of like, well, what am I really doing to impact the world? Or what am I, am I doing enough? God's here to tell you, stop worrying about how much you're doing and trust him. Trust his will for your life. That coworker at your place that when something bad happens and you don't get angry about it and that coworker notices, like, wait, why, they, why didn't they get angry? You are making an impact whether you know it or not. When I was down there, every day we start our, our class with a devotional, everything, which is one of the best things about my job is I get to start every day preaching a 20-minute sermon, right? We're supposed to, like, do songs and stuff, but I preach, you know what I'm saying? So my kids, and most days, my kids would be like, or like that, or doodling stuff, and it didn't seem like they were paying attention. And I told my wife one day, I said, I don't know if I should do devotional time anymore. My kids aren't listening. I, am I saying it wrong? Am I doing it wrong? What am I, what, what can I do? There again, I, what can I do? So if Alicia said, you can't stop, John, you got to keep doing it. And so I was like, you're right. And so I was like, I got it. So I prayed and I was like, all right, even if it doesn't seem like they're responding, I'm still called to share. And that is something I see trip up a lot of people is if we share and the person doesn't like get on their knees and be like, yes, I want to give my heart. We get depressed. We think we failed. No, you didn't. You did exactly what God called you to do. The Bible doesn't say go and share and worry about how they react. It says go share the truth, share the gospel, declare his glory. He works on their hearts, not you. People ask, well, how many people did you convert? I'm like, to what? Beef? Like, what? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even have a convertible. We still need a car, right? <laughs> and so, so people ask, like, how many people did you convert? I said, nobody. I converted nobody while I was down there. But God still gained 50 kids. But it wasn't me. I didn't convert them. I did what I was supposed to do, but God worked on their hearts. He does. It's not me. I can, I can stand up here and be like, I converted 50 kids to Christ. That's not me. I didn't do it. I did what I was called to do, shared the gospel, declared his glory. He worked on the hearts and converted 50 people back to him. That's the challenge. It's not about how people respond, but are we doing what we are called and created to do? So I was telling my wife, I went back, I prayed about the devotional time, and I just felt God say, keep doing it. Just keep plugging away. So I did. I kept preaching. I kept sharing. And down there, the concept of grace is not something they understand. It's a very religious area, a very stronghold of you got to do the right things, do the right. Grace is not something they understand. So I spent a month talking about grace. And what grace is and how it's a gift, not something we earn. And at the end of the year, I had my kids write a paper about their favorite things about sixth grade. I had a few that were like, it's over, was their favorite thing. And all that stuff. But many, many, most of my kids wrote down that their favorite thing was how I taught them about Christ and how I taught them about grace. And they now know who they are in Christ. 
And here I was, I was going to give up. And God showed me that because I didn't give up, because I was an exa- I kept doing what he called me to do, so many of my kids wrote that that was their favorite part of sixth grade was getting to know Christ more and who they are in Christ. And if I would have given up because I was worried about how they were responding, that would have never happened. So even if you feel like you're going through your life and people aren't responding, people aren't dropping in their knees going, yes, I'm saved, and it's in front of you and that's not happening, they are watching. They are noticing how we react, how we love. And when we love on them, that's the biggest thing we can do. And when I was down in Puebla, I got to see it when I shared with a man. And you guys, a lot of you guys that were here for a while heard the story. I shared with a man, and he, me and this pastor did. And he gave his heart to Christ. We left. I came back on the second trip. I went to his house to visit him and found out that he had passed away like two weeks after we left. And I remember telling my kids, and I want to encourage you guys with this too, is I didn't share one Bible verse with that man. Not that we should, we should know the Bible and we should read it, but really the greatest story that God gives us is his story, which is our story. And our story of what he has done in us. That's the greatest thing you can share with people. People will refute the Bible. They'll like, oh, there's so many contradictions, or this says this. and this. They'll try to destroy the Bible all they can, even though they never seem to win. But the thing is, they can't fight your story. You can't tell me that didn't happen in my life. You can't say, oh, well, yeah, it didn't happen. You could say it, but you're wrong, right, and stuff like that. So that is our greatest testimony. And so here in a little bit, I want to wrap up by praying for you guys. But the one thing that I really want to just ask a question to you before I do. My whole thing is we need to make Jesus our treasure. We need to give Jesus our everything. We can't hold back. If we hold back this thing, this thing becomes our treasure. So my question to you guys this morning is, what is your treasure? Is it money? Is it your kids? Is it your house, your job title? What is that thing that we are like, this is something we earned, we deserve it, we're good, or this is that thing I just can't give to God because I just don't know if I can trust it. You can sit here and say we love God with all our hearts, but if we're holding that one thing back, that is our treasure. Even though we might with our lips say that God is our treasure in our hearts, this that we're holding back is our treasure because we won't give it to him. And so no matter where you are today, whether this is your first time in a while, coming back to church, you're here for a reason. God loves you. If you've been given your heart to Christ and you're like, what now? Pray and God will show you. One of the verses that we talked about in Pueblo, I think it was the second trip, it actually became a song, was trust in, your heart, or trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Yeah, and it's, it's even better when it ends with like a Mickey Mouse voice. But that's what God wants for you. The Bible doesn't call us to understand. The Bible doesn't call us to start this big thing. The, God, the Bible calls us to trust. Trust him. Keep your focus on him. Make Jesus your everything. And make loving people your mission. That's how we change the world. 
That's how we see people come to know Christ. That's what we did in Honduras. It's just going down there, loving people. People ask us, what's our plan for year two? I'm like, I hope I get a boat. I'm just kidding. We don't even live anywhere where I could use a boat. But my plan is the same thing. I'm going to give Jesus my everything. And I'm going to make loving people my mission. That's what's going to change. And I, will, I believe that there's going to be a change from this church. The fact that we come back and this church has got two services now, which I forgot when I said I'd preach. <laughs> I was like, oh, i got to preach twice, right? All stuff. But what an amazing testimony that while we are gone, seeing this place grow. Guys, it grew because you love people. We loved our community. You guys do those outreaches. You guys go out there and do that. That means more to these people and the people around us than anything else is that we love them. And we spend time with them. That's what gets little kids to call me poppy. Not because I, I say a bunch of verses to them, but because I'm there loving them, showing them the love of Christ through my actions. That's what gets me three Father's Day cards from kids at my thing that actually have fathers, but they wanted to give the card to me instead. That broke me. That broke my heart. It's about loving people want something, and the one thing they want that they don't even realize most of the time is love. We want to be loved. We want to know we're loved. The Bible, well, I thought there was a verse up there. That's us. Right? The Bible, it's kind of weird to point to, right? The Bible reminds us who we are and whose we are. It reminds us that we are to love one another. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came down here and he loved people. He gave his life for us, the ultimate sacrifice of love. So today, accept that. Accept who you are. Accept the plan that God has for your life. Trust him. Give him everything. And just love people. That's the challenge. I want to pray for you guys today. That as we go out today, that we do that. We just trust him. And that we love people. Make that your mission. Don't worry, don't ask the question, am I doing enough? Just declare with your voice, I love Christ. Don't ask what if or am I. Don't ask questions, declare his glory. That's what will change. That's what has gotten, has helped us see the success that we've seen in Honduras. It's not us. It's not John and Alicia having a great time. It's God doing a great work. And some days it's fun, and some days it's hard as I can believe. That's where we need people like you on our team, praying for us, sending us a little encouragement, supporting us. It is a team effort. All of you here, if you prayed for us, sent us a message, sent support, you are a part of what's happening in Honduras because you've done what God's called you to do. I challenge you today to keep doing that. Just trust. It's so easy to question and doubt. But questioning and doubt doesn't lead to anything good. Trusting does. Giving him your everything does. So I want to pray for you guys right now. And in your seats, I pray that maybe today's the day you say, God, I want to trust you fully. God, today's the day I want to get rid of that one thing I'm holding back that has become my treasure. And I want to give it to you. Or maybe today's the day you finally accept his love for you, and what he did on the cross for you. Jesus saw you at your worst. 
the worst thing you've ever done. Think of the worst thing you've ever done and the worst possible you. That's who he died for because he loves you. He didn't love the cleaned up version that looks good. He saw us at our rawest point and he still gave his life for us, for love, so we could have life with him. So I pray that today, no matter where you are, that God does a work in you. And when we leave here, we make loving people our mission. Because that's what it's about. It's all, it's all about love. What made me and Alicia sell everything and go to Honduras? Love. God's love for us and our love for the people is what gets us back on a plane on July 30th to go back down there again. It's love. So if you guys will bow your heads and just in your seats, take this time as I pray to respond to God and what he's saying to you right now. <clears throat> our Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to be back here with our family and these amazing people, God. And you have such great plans for, for us and for this church. And God, it's going to make O'Fallon explode for you, declaring your glory that O'Fallon will be like a city on a hill. Same for St. Peter, St. Charles, wherever these people, Winsville, it doesn't matter, God. We have a room full of missionaries here that are ready to make a noise, make a declare of you and your love. And God, whether they're accepting that for the first time today and really giving their hearts to you, God, or if they've done it for a while and they're wondering what's next, God, I pray you give them that boldness, that courage, that love, that grace to go and just love people. And that's how we'll see change, God. I just thank you for this time that I've gotten to share. And just, God, I just love these people so much. We're so grateful for how they've loved us and supported us. And God, everything we do today, no matter where we are, is for your glory. And I pray for this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. LifePoint Church exists to engage, encourage, and equip through the gospel for the glory of God. Therefore, it is our prayer that the word of God would be an encouragement to your heart and lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would like to support the ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at thelifepointconnection.com give. May God bless and may your life point to Christ everywhere in every way.